0: From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun.
1: If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate.
1: All right. So we've been talking uh, a lot of podcasts. We've got a few more fun ones tonight. This is uh, John writing in from Chicago here with the email subject line of first car. He, he's wanting a reliable Uh-oh. car and not too bad in the snow. And I kind of feel like this is a little bit of low-hanging fruit here, but uh, I'm going to ask for your uh, your thoughts here. I've got one in mind. So we're going to cover that. But we've also got Nick yeah, in definitely. Canada, which is we're not exactly sure. It could be from uh, Nova Scotia to Vancouver. We're not exactly sure where Nick lives. But uh, should be. Well, he, he fun signed to off uh, as
0: somebody from America's hat, so clearly it's <laughs> Canada. And he has a sense of humor, so I appreciated that, Nick.
1: Which is funny, and you know, he uh, he actually writes in with his budget here, thirty-five to forty thousand Canadian, and I looked up the exchange rate. It's not as great, so I had to kind of readjust my my thinking here in terms of budget because. Uh,
0: you Was did it? research? Well, what, what craziness is that about?
1: Yeah, the Canadian dollar is uh, like 80 cents to the U.S. dollar right now. So that's as, if, as of this podcast right now. So we And might now have it's a to... podcast
0: about math. Great, thanks.
1: <laughs> well, I went to art school. Don't ask me about math. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to kind of readjust things. But, you know, we've been talking about having guests on, and we have a third person mm-hmm. on the line to help us out with these debates tonight.
0: We do. We do. We have, it's really cool. You know, if you listen to the podcast for a while, uh, I think it was about number 30 or so. We had uh, a great guest in from Tire Rack, but we've been talking about getting other auto journalists on, and we're very excited with our guest tonight. It's our first auto journalist guest. This is Michael Harley joining us. Mike, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. If, if you haven't heard of Michael Harley or you can't place him yet, let me put him in perspective for you. Used to be the West Coast editor, I think I've got that right, for Autoblog. And Mike has one of those jo- had one of those jobs with Autoblog that we all were jealous of where uh, when any massive exotic car was getting released, uh, Mike got to drive that. So <laughs> yeah. if you'd like to be curious about his work on Autoblog, I will recommend, I'm going to give him a plug real quick for the Autoblog days, and that is go read his Lexus LFA review. Fantastic piece of journalism, amazing story, Great car, one of the best reviews on that car. So there's my plug for Mike's Autoblog days. But he's moved on from Autoblog, and we want to hear from that from him about that tonight. So thrilled to have a serious heavy hitter and a friend of the show, uh, Mike, is with us. So thanks for being here, man.
2: Hey, my pleasure. And uh, you got it correct, I was a West Coast editor for Autoblog for about six years, and uh, I somehow found myself in uh, the most desirable niche of all, which are the uh, the exotics to hyper exotics, and I was able to drive everything from uh, Bugatti Veyrons to Pagani Wires and uh, oh, no. the LFA story was the one where I uh, picked up the car and went to my son's school, and uh, yes. told them that he had a doctor's appointment, and we played hooky and wanted a 400-mile road trip.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite parts of the story, and, so and as a father, I mean, my son's only five, but maybe by the time he's in middle school, I can get access to something like an LFA, because that sounds like the best Father Sunday on the planet. I read that and just went. I'm just seething with jealousy from all sides. I'm just. I think that's an awesome story.
2: It was epic, and my and my son's a car guy, which is also helpful. Which is awesome. uh, Now he's 16 years old, so and that was a few years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Didn't he? Didn't you? I see somewhere. Did he just get a first car?
2: Uh, He just actually just did two big things. I actually took him to Europe uh, over spring break, and we spent uh, a week zooming around in a 911, just uh, visiting all the German automakers.
0: Oh my gosh! He
2: also. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. But uh, he also just got, just bought um, a new car for him about a week and a half ago, a, a 2015 um, Golf TDI with a six-speed manual gearbox.
0: Oh man, that is awesome! I, I'm I'm furiously taking notes, Mike, because you're about ten years ahead of me in fatherhood. I'm like, okay, note, do this here, <laughs> do this here. Funny. I may call you later, but uh, that's awesome. The TDI is a cool choice, actually.
2: TDI, well, you know, it's one of those things that if you really start reading about it and start studying it, uh, you realize that the number one killer of teenagers, you know, 16 to 20 years old, uh, are automobiles. So the first thing mm. you want to do is put your child uh in a safe vehicle, because if you get that phone call at 10 o'clock oh. at night, you know, you, you want it to be good news, that uh, they're actually Seriously. on the other end of the phone calling you versus yeah. someone oh. else calling you about your oh. kid and uh so the first thing i did was look for a iihs top safety pick plus mm. uh, i wanted something newer because that would be safer i wanted something super fuel efficient i wanted something sure. that was challenging and engaging to drive and <laughs> uh that was fun and cool and you know when you when you look for all those things uh you know look diesel manual gearbox uh sporty chassis late model uh the Volkswagen Golf TDI is is basically the only thing that fits all those. In Southern California, you can't find manual transmissions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I ordered that, <laughs> yeah. it and it took, it took six months to come in.
0: Mm. Mm. So was that six months? Uh, I mean, how long ago did he turn 16 and get his license? How long has he been waiting?
2: Uh, he turned 16 in November. We ordered okay. the car in early December, and oh, man. Uh, it just literally arrived about 10 days ago.
0: Well, good for him, that is really cool, and that's yeah i I can see how you're sniper shotting a very difficult choice there, but I'm glad that glad you I think that's a fantastic choice. I saw a picture of it online it's it's a white one right uh
2: it's a white one with a black interior and uh and you know listeners have to understand that wow, I went out and bought myself you know a sixteen year old signed a brand new car, but uh went out and leased it, and the payments are just about three hundred bucks a month, so Perfect. you break it down and say, okay, you know ten bucks a day, three hundred dollars yeah. a month." You know, that, you know, a lot of guys are going out and buying used cars and spending more than that, so. Sure. has got oh, a full yeah, warranty, it. it's got roadside assistance, it also has, uh, VW has this, this, uh, iPhone app that I could track where he is, uh, <laughs> I could track how fast he's going. from a parent's perspective, it's, you know, for 10 bucks sure. a day, you know, you know, there are people that spend more than 300 bucks a month on their cell phone bills.
0: Yeah, and and you've you've got a lot of you bought a lot of peace of mind there, or at least a lot of peace of mind there. I think that's awesome, man. That's really cool. So so tell us about. I know you're with Autoblog for a long time. That's how we met you, but you've moved on to AutoWeb. Tell us uh, tell us a story on that.
2: Yeah, so uh, I was perfectly happy with Autoblog. Uh, it was probably the best six years of my automotive enthusiast life. And uh, late last year, a brand new startup called AutoWeb was launched, and uh, these guys. Um, their primary focus is a search and configure site that brings mm. people that are shopping for a car to the ability to buy the car. It hooks them up with people like Kelly Blue Book, uh, Edmunds, okay. and TrueCar and allows them to buy a car. But they were looking for an editorial voice, and uh, okay. they hired me to be the editor-in-chief to run their, their editorial website. And the URL for that is uh, editorial.autoweb.com. Okay. And uh, I have basically picked up where I left off at Autoblog. I've got a team of five guys, and we're doing car reviews, and we do cool stuff like GT3, Z06, and some exotics. And, uh, you know, we're basically putting up, um, several stories a week. It's a tile format, so the page, the stories don't mm-hmm. drop off the homepage like they did with Autoblog. And, sure. uh, you basically go and click on a tile and read the story. Now,
1: Mike, uh, I had seen, um, uh, when you and I were talking at the LA Auto Show last year, you had a great description that has kind of stuck in my mind, and that was the information desk analogy. Like uh, you walk into a library or something like that, and you go to the information desk, and the person there kind of points you in the right direction. Does that still apply as AutoWeb has grown? Uh, you know, Is that still applicable in terms of your business there?
2: Yeah, the, the analogy I used um, when we first discussed the site is AutoWeb how- allows uh, shoppers to find the car that, that best fits them. And the analogy was, okay, you're going, to the autom- you're going to the local mall and you're looking for a pair of shoes. Rather than walk directly the Nordstrom's, Macy's, Tom McCann, whatever the shoe store is, you go to the uh, information desk at the mall and say, hey, I'm looking for a pair of shoes. I want a pair of tennis shoes because I'm going to be running marathons in six months. And the information <laughs> desk says, hey, here's where you actually want to go. You want to go to the Nike store because they've got a sale going on. And they point you directly where you want to go. So what Autoweb does is you go on the site AutoWeb.com and you configure a Toyota Camry with the options you look you you need, and uh, then on the right side a bunch of um, places that have the car or want to bid on that car will show up.
1: Hmm,
0: that's cool. What? Well, and the other thing about it that's, that's cool that you can tell, I mean, one of, the, one of the places where you can tell this is new and fresh versus some of the standbys. I mean, we're big fans of, of AutoTrader, for example. But one of the ways this is different than AutoTrader is, you know, AutoTrader is still built on ultimately the list model. It's a great site. But AutoWeb, it's very, much more visual. It much more has the Web 2.0, I, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, interface about it. And what I find when I've been on there a couple times is that everything sorts by here's a really nice press photo. And as you start to to whittle things down, it keeps showing you a really nice press photo and you can discover a car just because you're looking at, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. It's not like, hey, I wanna look for coupes. It's suddenly, here's all of the coupes in a great visual. And I just, I mean, I'm a crazily visual guy anyway, so it's fun to see that
2: but that was something that we really really pushed hard on we wanted to be able to search for cars that come with a uh, six-speed manual gearbox We want to be able to Mm -hmm. search for hey let's go with five-speed manual gearboxes and front wheel drive now let's back Mm -hmm. that up we would just want cars that have infotainment systems (laughs) (laughs) and you can really instead of just saying hey i'm looking for a ford uh, you can go backwards and say i'm looking for a car that costs three hundred fifty dollars a month over forty eight months so there are Mm -hmm. a bunch of different ways our search engine and configurator is super powerful. Uh, we've got over 80 employees in the company, and uh, all the 90 of these guys are working on the algorithms and the database. And the database sure. is that's the key. That's the key. I yeah.
1: find that really cool. Well, but
0: I, I've been really surprised at how agile it is. I mean, well, the a couple of times that I've been on it, I've been very surprised that, like you're saying the different ways that as you filter, you're seeing it instantly move on you. And it's all just sliders. It's not like I need to input this now. It's all just sliders and things are constantly changing. And that's pretty cool.
1: Well, you know, I see that. You know, just as you said, because people approach their buying a car, everybody has a different opinion and a different approach to buying their car. And I I really appreciate that. Rather than, you know what, here's the traditional way. Here's how you have to search. We're kind of locking you into this way of searching because – yeah. Otherwise, you can't really find how, kind of how you think. That's what it sounds like. The difference is.
2: Yeah. Every, like you said, every single person is different, and everyone has a different knowledge of, uh, you know, the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sure, and I yeah. can talk about rear wheel drive, transverse engines, and uh, <laughs> you know, single piston rear calipers. But for the average consumer, they have no idea what that means, sure. and uh, some people don't know all the lease terminology. Um, so what we've done is. The editorial site that I'm running uh, makes sure that we educate people on every car. We do car reviews. We do first drives. We do mm-hmm. car comparisons, you know, best cars for teenage drivers, uh, 10 safest cars. But the uh, configurator site allows them to put that knowledge um, into practice and actually build the
1: cars. Also noticed your 911 GT3 really photo cool. gallery here, you turkey.
0: Oh, man. I've seen that, too. That was Jeez. awesome.
2: It's really cool. What I've been doing is uh, we call them the world's greatest photo gallery. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I have a very special <laughs> photographer. And we go out and we go to epic locations and shoot cars. So we just did, believe it or not, we did a, a Dodge Hellcat over this past weekend, a bright red one. And that gallery is going to go up the next week or two. We've done uh, a whole bunch of cars. We did a, a Land Rover Range Rover. We obviously did the GT3. We've done the uh, uh, Alfa Romeo 4C. And uh, all these galleries are going to keep going up. Anything that's Ed, epic, we're going to do. They're gorgeous.
0: Well, the GT3 one—if you want to know who who you need to be insanely jealous of—if you look at the GT3, you can actually see Mike driving in a couple of the photos. So you know that's his face. That's the guy I no longer like. So anyway, but yeah, they're, they're fantastic photos.
2: My uh, my 16-year-old son Patrick, of course, is in the background watching all these shots be taken. You know, every time I say, "Hey, we've got to get up at 4 a.m. for a photo shoot," I'll go, Dad. <laughs> and, uh, and you know which is good you know he's probably the only kid in the world he's ridden a Fagani he's ridden in a Bugatti and uh, the sad thing yeah. is only about a third of his friends understand what that means so
0: <laughs> sure 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 but you know but he's got life experience that I can't brag and I'm you know doing this a lot so that's fantastic I think it's amazing and life experience with you too I mean that's also really cool that's awesome
2: you guys oh, come to LA off will hook you
0: Okay, hey, you know, all right. Well, hey, I, I, wait a minute. I'm writing that down, <laughs> yeah, too. That We've got that for sure. recorded, too, Todd. You
1: know that? That's, that's recorded. <laughs> You're
0: right. That every, Everyone has heard that now. We must cash that that's in. Right. Well, uh, anything else you want to cover on AutoWeb before we move on? And I, we're excited to have somebody else join us on these car debates.
2: Oh, uh, I've got plenty of opinions. I'm looking forward to it. Well, this. yeah, just, okay, just the uh,
1: criteria that you were looking for for your son kind of led me to believe that, I mean, that was sniper kind of criteria. So. I mean, it's like, all right, so you're going to be good at this. I mean, we have a lot of fun with these car debates, and we debate – I mean, we bring up kind of crazy and random stuff, and, you know, I I kind of feel like you're going to be pretty good at this too because, yeah, we've got two kind of fun ones, and and they're just to riff on, just, you know, throw out ideas. I I think the fun part about it is anything goes. You know, of course we want to stay within people's budgets, and, you know, the recent podcast, I've had to – sort of start taking my own medicine. And so now I'm, I've got this new, you know, sort of thing in the back of, back of my mind, like, well, I'm going to be trying to take others' advice, too, so I've, I've got to listen to that. But, you know, here I am giving advice based on, you know, what we've driven. But
0: You've, you've got a new respect do, for all of the opinions I, I you've been throwing it's around, It's kind of don't funny, you? like, yeah. uh-huh. oh, I'm the expert, uh-huh. I'm
1: giving the opinions, and then now, like, you know, people are saying, you know what you should get is, you know, whatever car, and I'm going, Okay, that's an interesting idea.
0: A few weeks ago, ago, Mike, we announced that Paul's looking for a new fun car, and uh, I threw out a bunch of random things for Paul, and then we threw it to the audience, and we have been avalanched with recommendations all over the map. And the reason it's funny is because Paul has said to many people, hey, I encourage you to get into a brand you've never driven before, but yet here Paul (laughs) is, the Porsche snob, and now everybody is saying everything but Porsche, and he's going... (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. so yeah. anyway so that's been fun yeah but we've got we've got our first of two uh two car debates tonight is from uh, john writing to us from chicago and his subject line of his email was first car which already kind of gets us primed to okay all right and then he follows up with i need something kind of good in the snow okay i'm still with you i got about 25 grand to spend should i get a honda s2000 which suddenly felt like a massive left turn to me am i alone in that <laughs>
2: That's not a left, that's a user. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I
0: mean, look, one of the things that I pound on all the time in the podcast is I make a big point about... You know, there's this there's this proclivity of you must have all-wheel drive for bad weather. Now, Paul and I both live in Utah now, and that is uh, definitely we get bad weather. I'm going to say to you all day long, it is much more about tires than drive wheels. However, your first car is a Honda S2000 in the snow in Chicago. I agree with you, Mike. That's a U-turn <laughs> right into a pole.
2: I agree with. T- both of you guys, 100%. And I'm one of those guys that would much rather drive a, a car with uh, four snow tires than an all-wheel drive car with um, you know, all-season tires. Agreed. But the problem with the S2000 is it's a light car on top of everything else. We're not talking uh, a heavy uh, car with rear wheel drive. We're talking a, a light car that's just going to skate everywhere. And, yeah. it's, and it's a car that likes to have the engine really screaming, which is uh, everything you don't want when you're driving on the snow.
0: <laughs> That's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about the, the nature of it, of just to be so high-strung and then light rear-wheel drive. I was like, um, well, uh, especially for first car. If you were like, hey, I'm thinking about having this, and maybe I'll drive it occasionally in the snow, and I've been driving for 20 years and lots of sports cars, maybe it's a different conversation, but... First car, I think that's a that's a poor idea. I mean, I actually wondered about, and I still don't think this is great for John. But I think the GT86 twins are a better choice than the S2000 because at least they have they don't you don't have to scream the engine. They're power though they're not powerful. Their power off the start is actually enough to kind of go around. And there's people driving those in the snow. But I still don't think it's a good first car for snow in Chicago.
1: I'm just wondering if we need to have a list of cars by city. Should we have that? So people write, in? I live in Chicago, I live in New York, I live in Los Angeles. Okay, let's see. Let's pull out the L.A. list of cars to buy, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah. So if you head further south, you end up in like Miatas. Basically.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
0: we paint the country from WRX down to Miatas. It's just this, this, this slightly fading scale. Well, I, I don't it's know.
2: The WRX with heated seats. At the very top, and uh, exactly. You walk down to a Miata that doesn't even have a roof anymore. Down when you're.
0: Like, <laughs> uh, so what? What else were you going to say here, Mike?
2: Well, I was. First of all, I was going to say the S2000 is an excellent car. Uh, Absolutely. Um, you know, no, we are none of us. I don't think we're on the same page here. That none of us have any issue with the S2000. We have an issue with the fact that the word snow. Is in the same sense
0: as everything else. <laughs> well, and also snow and, and first-time first car, driver. Yeah. That's the thing about it that I agree starts to, to take me away from it. So, of course, we have to bring up. We've already mentioned it. You could go base Impreza. Base Impreza is not that fun. WRX, of course, is. But it, you can't get out of this discussion without that. I'm still going to say winter tires, though.
2: But hang on a second. We're, if you read this question, I don't. I mean, I see reliable. I say not bad in the snow. Uh, we are automatically assuming because he says S two thousand, he wants uh, a rocket ship. Uh, sure. You know, the impression of me um, is a great car. It's reliable. It's going to mm-hmm. do very very well in the snow. It's going to hold yes. its value uh, until maybe he can move south or something.
0: <laughs> or get or get you yeah, very nice. That's never been nice. recommended on the you show. Can save up to move. you know that?
1: <laughs> We've never actually said, you know what? Yes, Don't our, change your car. Change your location.
2: We recommend you move.
0: <laughs> That's not bad. Well no. along those lines I actually thought that the standard Mazda three is a great car at roughly that price point. And uh you know you that car you can trick it out and actually is pretty nice inside. You can get it with the stick shift. Even now you can get it with the uh, the bigger engine, the 180 something horsepower bigger engine, with the with the six speed. A good interior. I feel like that's a really nice all arounder. It's obviously you've lost the all wheel drive of the Impreza, but you're in a much more stable, better first time car situation than any of these rear wheel drive sports cars.
2: Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, if I had 25000 to buy a first car, I probably would not go for a used car, because that's a big chunk of change. Um, I would mm-hmm. go get into something uh, with a low monthly payment, and put most of the money in the bank, and just trickle that money out. And uh, the Mazda 3 is a great car. Um, the Ford um, uh Jest is a great car. The VTi is a great car. The mm-hmm. Focus is a great car. I mean, all these... You know There are a bunch of great little hot hatch front-wheel drive cars uh, that can be you know almost as fun as an S2000. They're going to be a lot better in the winter, and yes. like you said, put snow yeah. tires on
1: them. I think it's the biggest thing we always come anything? back to. You know that?
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, anything else you want to add to this list, Paul? I feel like uh, we've kind of run down the obvious ones, but anything else that striking. Yeah, you?
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought you might mention the GT86 Twins. I'm, I'm not all the way there. I mean, yeah you know rear-wheel drive is fun but you know Mike's got a great point just because we see Honda S2000 here we're we're assuming you know fun track kind of toy nowhere is that in here so I I even thought of you know a small you know kinda fun SUV I I thought that um, Mazda CX-5 that could be front or all-wheel drive reliable you know first car could be interesting you know you could go a number of different places with this Um, I like the Mazda three idea, but uh, I think you could even go just a small lightweight SUV kind of thing. Because again, John doesn't tell us his needs and people and that kind of thing. But um, sure, sure,
0: sure. Yeah,
1: I, I we love the S two thousand, but um, there's gosh, so many choices. <laughs> well, yes,
0: but we're all we're all ducking away from the sports car. I the thing is so. that John sent us. He sent us a good a good email, but I didn't want to bombard uh, poor Mike with some of the emails that you send that are awesome, but some of them, I swear to you, come in volumes. <laughs> so uh, John John was Chapter sparse one. in his, his information, but we should, exactly, we should probably move on to uh, Nick in Canada. He is writing to us. Apparently, Nick gets some snow, too. We're not sure where, but he's up, as he has said, a citizen of America's hat, and he is currently driving a 2004 Dodge Neon SRT4. And he likes the rawness, and I'm sure that's quite interesting in general, but he likes the rawness, he does all his own maintenance on it, but he's going, okay, all right, I have an old Jeep Grand Cherokee for nasty winners, I need a new fun car, I'd like it to be a little more kind of grown-up and nicer and a little more luxurious than the SRT4, which I kind of feel like anything he steps into will be. But he wants to go in the new, what is his new kind of entry-level luxury sports coupe that he could autocross and take to the track. Interesting run here.
2: It's also interesting that he says he's been looking at a clean E92 335i X-Drive M Sport, which is a very, very specific car. I actually owned an E90 335 uh, rear-wheel drive sedan for a while. And uh, he also correctly points out the turbos and BMW maintenance schedule scare him off slightly. I would say <laughs> they should scare him off a lot more than slightly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. That would probably keep me up at night because... Uh, I'm one of those guys that I've owned several BMWs new under warranty. And mm. I've still, you know, even as I get older, I still don't recommend um, a twin-turbo BMW out of warranty. Mm. Uh, that could be very expensive. They had uh, high-pressure fuel pump issues back in the day. And although those seem to have been solved, um, there are other things that still creep up. Um, you know, he's looking at G35. Those are great cars.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like you're speaking well, to me surprised. there for a little bit, just as uh, you know we've been talking BMWs for a while. So I'm, I'm taking your your words to heart here too. I, I, I gotta say.
0: Well, he he mentions the thing I was surprised about about the E92 E35 is why go X drive? I mean, if you're if you've got your winter beater, well, I feel true. like take all wheel drive off the table. I think let's stay rear wheel drive and try to stay even more fun and focused. Because I feel like I mean I really like. The driving dynamics of that ENA2, but I feel like once you add X drive to a lot of the BMW product, it's just, it's a lot more muted than, a lot of the fun gets muted out of it. So we're talking, you know, luxury sports coupe for possible track and autocross use. I think you take the X drive out of it, M-Sport's cool, but I, I hear what you're saying on the maintenance side, Mike. I mean, it could be a money pit. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, he very clearly says, quote, it is a summer-only car, yeah. I agree. Get rid of the X drive. You know, stick with rear-wheel drive.
1: Hmm.
0: So he's he's made a list of things here, and uh, and I feel like there's a couple that might be missing. I don't, I don't know what you guys thought. i made a couple of lists, but I wanted to run down his list and hop in here at any point. I mean, he's got a 2011 Audi S4 on here. That would be a nice car, but I feel like that would be – I want to get you into rear-wheel drive. If you're going to autocross it, you're going to track day it, I'd love to get you out of the S4 and into something rear-wheel drive. I mean, that's that's a heavy car. Good point. Excellent point. Yeah,
1: Excellent he's got point. the uh, E92 M3 with that lovely V8 that I love so much. I mean, that. I mean, Mike, would you say that kind of solves the turbo and maintenance issues, or have you found, in your experience, the those generations of M3s to be kind of maintenance heavy too? I'm just wondering.
2: Uh, he's got he's got two BMWs stacked on his rec- on his on his question mark list. One is an E46 M3, uh, oh. which has a jewel of a naturally aspirated inline-six engine uh, that has proven to be very, very bulletproof. I mean, they're getting aftermarket turbos. uh, An incredibly good engine. Um, And he's also got an E92 M3, which uh, I believe is a naturally aspirated V8, which is a little more high-strung. And high-strung, there's an equal sign here, is maintenance. Mm. Um, (laughs) So my recommendation is find a clean 2006 E46 M3. Uh, You will never... Uh, be better than the car will be, and uh, which means you'll always be able to learn, you'll always be able to improve your uh, autocross times, and uh, the car should be worth something because I believe the the E46 M3s are going to hold their values. Hmm.
0: I think you're right. I mean, that was the thing. Out of the BMWs he listed there, I liked the E46 best, also just because that, that E92, that, that – V8, you've got to get really high into it before it starts to really have power. And it's a, it's a significantly bigger car than that E46. So I come back to something to chuck around an autocross. I'd rather be in the E46. And you're right, that inline six is such a great engine. And I love the steering feel on that car. If you can find a clean one of those, I, I think that's a better match than the E92s. And we like the E92s, but I, I would go E46 all day long. Hmm.
1: You know, I uh, had some other thoughts on here for you guys. You know, I I couldn't ignore the Camaro SS. You know, it's built in Canada, so maybe if he wanted to, you know, show the the home country some love there, I I had that on there. But I thought, all right, maybe what, a little bit. He's he got to
0: attach a flag to the side. What are you envisioning I, there? Well, Come on.
1: You know, I just thought, all right, what's built in Canada? Not much. Camaros, Camaros are built in Canada. He mentioned the G35 and the G37, so that obviously that led mm-hmm. me right to the 370Z. And I was poking around the Nismo. The new Nismo 370Zs, I think that's a bit out of this price range though, because he's got thirty five, forty thousand Canadian, no, certainly. which translates to probably thirty ish thousand US, somewhere in that range. So we might might have to back off that idea. But that car is a lot of fun for doing exactly what he's looking for. This commuter car, light duty yeah. track car. Every time we get into the three seventy, especially the Nismo. We kind of think, wow, yeah, you know, keep forgetting about how good and fun this car is to drive. I, I mean, that could be a consideration if you, even if you go back a couple of years here, you know, well, 2012. He, he'd have
0: to go. I think he'd have to go used. But so. here's the thing about the 370. I, I think the 370 would be awesome for the, you know, the rear-wheel drive autocross or track part of it. It would certainly feel nicer than his neon, which really isn't saying a ton as far as all of the commute stuff. But that. Once you start commuting in that car, and I love it, but once you start commuting in that car, you realize that the visibility is terrible, and it's surprisingly loud inside. So it's not going to have the luxurious feel of some of the Beamers, but it is going to be fun when you're, when, you're, when you're caning it. Sure. Absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Hmm. So he's also got the the GTI on here. I'm going to nix it only because, and he actually even mentions he's breaking his own rules because it's front-wheel drive. So I'm going to say, yeah, don't break your own rules. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the GTI in this discussion, but if we're chasing fun car, the GTI is a fantastic. If you said you're going to drive this car alone all year round, I think the GTI starts to percolate to the top of the list. In this list, I go, don't get GTI. Stay rear-wheel drive. Stay fun. I pull that back off of there. Uh, EcoBoost Mustangs
2: on here, though. Hmm.
1: You've driven that car. Yeah, Mike?
2: I've driven the EcoBoost Mustang. I'll touch on the GTI, though. Uh, I like the GTI, obviously, but I would never recommend it for a summer-only car. I would also not recommend it for someone who's going to do autocross and track days. I mean, you are talking upwards of 60% of the weight is on those front wheels. Mm -hmm. Uh, It drives Mm -hmm. like a front-wheel drive car, and it's got a tall center of gravity. It is not a track car. It's not a track car. It's a, it's a Canyon. Hey, let's go have fun and zip around you know around town. Uh, the Mustang EcoBoost is actually pretty good uh, on autocross. Uh, it's a little bigger, a little more broad-shouldered. Um, Definitely. But you can find a lot of performance parts and upgrade it. And that could be a fun project car. If you could get into one and help, still have some money left in the bank account.
0: That's a good thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is gonna feel. We actually just drove one. Our next big piece has got the EcoBoost, and we surrounded it with the Fiesta ST, the FRS, and the um, WRX to talk about other things available in the same price range. But the thing about the EcoBoost that we were both struck by is it is a larger car than you think. At least I thought when you when you climb into it, and it's gonna feel larger than that E46 M3. That's not necessarily a reason to strike against it. It is surprisingly agile but it is interesting that you could get into it new like Mike's saying. and if you've got a little bit of money left over who knows what you could do to it i think that's a that's a pretty good choice frankly.
1: yeah i like that as well i you know i i was thinking based on the price here you know todd you and i found that uh, press car to be pretty high priced based on some options and to fit this budget
0: no 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 not 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 pretty <laughs> high priced wickedly expensive well, was, was i think what we described it was that
1: up as. there it was 38000 us something like that if yeah, i recall 38 yeah so I would say you'd have to leave some options off, but if there is one thing to get on that car, it was the Ricqueros. The seats in that car were fantastic, and for what he's looking for, I liked that car because I did think it drove a little bit smaller the faster you go. Not every car does that, and I know I, I kind of mentioned that a lot, but. Not every car has this ability, and I felt when you and I were caning that, well, driving normally through canyon roads, <laughs> um, <laughs> we found those cars to be pretty decent. And as you said, that that Mustang became more agile than you thought it was going to be. And so, if you're doing that with this car, you've got to get those seats in this in the in the EcoBoost. Um, those would be at least it, you know, the you options know- I'd say
0: agreed and it, you know it, it's got a, it's got a pretty good interior i think it's got the best mustang interior ever and it's got you know it feels like a decent interior it's actually not going to feel like you got a bare bones car in that regard i mean you've also got the BRZ and the Miata hardtop on here those are going to be lighter and more agile which is always the thing i'm going to suggest but they're also going to feel cheaper and significantly smaller than the EcoBoost and the E46 even are both going to feel Mm -hmm. more substantial and nicer for the kind of commute part of the world than the BRZ or the Miata will.
2: And you also have to worry about, you know, I keep coming back to my thing, (laughs) I'm I'm stuck on the E46 M3 because there are so many things to factor in when you're buying a car. Uh, You know, you've got your, okay, do I have to wake up every morning and walk out and look at this thing? Am I going to (laughs) smile? Uh, you've got to, you know, gotta, <laughs> worry about comfort. Can I, can I throw my mountain bike in the trunk? And, uh, you, Miata? No. Uh, yeah. you know, BRZ, take it apart. <laughs> I mean, you could bring Yeah, energy. You're, right. But You're there, right. You know, there's also, there's also depreciation. You know, you buy a lot of these cars and you drive off the lot and you just lost 20, 30%. Uh, sure. you know, the E46 M3 sure. already comes with sport bucket seats. It's mm-hmm. already an M-tuned vehicle. And this is the, back in 2006, this is when BMW was at its prime of making excellent M cars.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
2: yeah. You know, this, this, is, mm. this car is, is real, real. Not like, you know, I don't want to beg on today's M5, but today's M5 is turned into a GT car. Sure. But the, yeah, uh, the, the E46 track, M3 yeah. was a true track car. Uh, you buy it, you could probably hold on to that thing for two years and maybe break even when you sell it. Possibly.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean,
2: it's, and it's, you know, great visibility. Uh, you know, it's not as safe as the modern cars, you know, but you have thin yeah. air colors. It's easy to see out. Excellent autocross, 50 50 weight balance. An engine that's got torque at the low end loves to run to, I'm sure, over 7,000 RPM. I mean, mm-hmm. and manual or automatic transmission.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Though I would say manual all day long in that car, but yes, you you do have that option. Oh. Uh, anything else? I've got two random ones I want to throw in, but anything else you want to throw in on here, Paul or Mike? I'm
1: trying to think. I had um, I, the the range that I was looking at was a little bit higher, and then I realized I've got to correct for the exchange rate, and so, you know, things like the the Audi TT again that might be too sluggish and heavy, not much of a driver's car. I was even thinking that BMW 428. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you've driven the new BMW 428, but, again, it's a bigger coupe. It's, it's not as agile as the E46 or you know, or even any of these other cars that we're talking about.
2: I've got a crazy suggestion. And, uh, you know, Don't laugh me off the show here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, we call them wild, wild cards, Mike. You're welcome to it. Feel free.
2: Believe it or not, the Porsche Boxster, the mm-hmm. older models, can easily be had, uh, for 20 to 30,000, you know, US dollars, easily up in this Canadian dollars also. Uh, you know, you go to the, we're talking probably 2004, 2005 boxers, and mm-hmm. incredibly good handling, you know, well handling, incredibly good on autocross. It's got some, uh, some flair, some clout. Um, I mean, it's, it's a real looker of a car. And, yeah. and they're very, very reliable, believe it or not. The boxers, I've had a couple of boxers, and they're super reliable.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you went there because I was going to say, I, I don't think that's all that all that off the map, Mike. I'm glad you went there because I was going to ask the question, and I didn't look up the exchange rate on it. But what about a Cayman? I mean, could you get an early, like a, an 06 or 07 Cayman? May have to go not the Cayman S. But I think the Cayman, if you can go two seats, is a worthwhile do-it-all option here as well. Exactly. Yes, exactly.
1: Hey, I'm sold over here, too first boxes are
0: cheap. So. Oh, yeah. The first gens are very cheap. And then I have one. Look, if we're going to talk BMW, I have one I was surprised was off the list. I personally, I, I'm with you, Mike. I prefer the E46. But when we started talking about the E92s, he brought up the 335 IS, and that made me think about, okay, we're talking smaller packages and some powerful engines and that kind of thing. Where's the 135? I kind of feel like that's an option, too.
2: Eureka. Excellent choice.
0: You know, I mean, I th- I think you can get. I mean, we're we're asking the turbo engine question here now, so maybe we get ourselves back in there. And I've always felt like the one thirty five was a little bit higher center of gravity than I wanted for track stuff, because I remember I had it on a track one of our motor press guild things. But I'm being very picky when I say that. I mean, it's it's a significantly smaller package than that E ninety two three series was. So when you get into autocross and that kind of stuff, I think that one series could be an interesting choice. You could probably find for the money.
2: And if you don't want to go turbo, you can go 128.
0: Yeah, great point. Great point. Get a get the M Sport package on that and still be nice.
2: Yeah, and they're light and they're agile. Remember, every almost every single BMW out there right now is plus or minus 1% to a 50-50 weight distribution, mm. um, which is what you want on an autocross. So.
0: There you go. That's interesting. So uh, we have buried poor Nick in Canada <laughs> with options, but hopefully some of it's been helpful. And mostly German cars, uh, you realize. Thrilled.
1: That's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how excited are you by that, Paul? It's almost been an educational show for you. By by, uh, you know, it's funny because by extra points, I'm listening, Mike. You.
1: Do you talk about the E40 E46? I'm going, yeah, you're you're right, uh-huh, interesting, great. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, this is for Nick. This is not for me. This is for Nick. Right, 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 right.
0: Yep, Mike's accidentally <laughs> selling you a car, which I kind of like. I kind of well.
1: find that interesting because I was listening uh, intently. Your your uh, your notes have not gone uh, unnoticed here, so I, I like that. But uh, well. <laughs> We're all going to go buy one now. Okay.
0: Wouldn't that be funny? E- E46 is for everyone. <laughs> Let's drive the price up even further. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Is there any place uh, people can reach you, be it Twitter, Facebook, anything on AutoWeb that they should be looking up?
2: You could send me an email at michael at com if you want to talk to me.
0: Very cool. Yeah, because yes. clearly I'm, I'm going to put it out there right now. We have driven a lot of stuff. We have driven a fraction of what Mike has driven. When 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 the the really high-end automakers send out in, invites to please come to our press launch, uh, everyday driver doesn't make that list, and Mike does. Now, we get those cars, but we get those cars after Mike goes, let me tell you what it's about. <laughs> so, yeah, you can ask Mike about all kinds of things, especially the high-end stuff. Uh, one day I will tackle him for more notes on the Pagani Waira because, boy, do I want to drive that car. But anyway, thank you guys for listening and joining us on the podcast. Huge thanks to Mike for joining us. Uh, If you're looking for us anywhere on the web, guess what? It is slash Everyday Driver, wherever you're looking, be it Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, If you are listening to this podcast, and of course, if you've been here this long, you obviously are, be it iTunes, be it Stitcher, wherever, please go on there and rate it because when you rate it, I know it sounds crazy, but when you rate it, it actually helps other people find it because it lifts it up in the ratings uh, and actually up in the top 10 lists of uh, the automotive. We wind up there fairly regularly with itunes that's entirely due to you guys giving it a rating and a review which is
1: so cool yeah thank you guys so much for listening watching don't forget to turn off your ad blockers that does help us a lot and if you can truly since we've gone to fast blast content weekly content now your patreon dollars are going directly to creating that content so find us on patreon.com everydaydriver everyday driver and donate there because again this is going directly towards uh to editing those videos and producing new content and we're driving fun stuff so don't forget write to us with your own car debate everyday tv at gmail.com and fast content at facebook.com thank you guys so much and mega thanks to mike you've just been hilarious and and a lot of fun so thank you so much mike
2: anytime guys anytime it was fun we